with just a couple announcements. We will be here Wednesday night, so please make sure that you come to have service Wednesday night. And we are having baptism next Sunday. So who's excited about that? We're all going to have a new baptism service. So um, if you're wanting to get baptized, please make sure that you get with Pastor Mike and Ms. Sierra or myself. Let us know that you want to get baptized, and we would love to put you on the list. If for some whatever reason you show up and you forgot, we will try and have things available for you that you could change into. So that way you could go ahead and be baptized. We don't want anyone to be hindered by not being, um, well, we all just get busy. So we'll just say that. Um, if you want to give offering this morning, you know, that's one way that we worship Jesus. And what better way to end the year in giving a gift to him? We're going to have the basket at the back. We're not going to pass that this morning because this morning I want to take the opportunity to make sure that everybody has their communion because we are doing a communion service today. It's not your typical preaching service. It's not your typical um, Sunday morning probably. But at the same time, God gave me a wonderful word that I don't know that any of y'all have probably heard before. And I am working off of a computer today, which is unlike me, so y'all be patient with me today. All righty, who, anybody need the communion elements before we get started? Everybody have your cup? All right, we're good. I think mine has disappeared. I had one up here. Can someone bring me communion? <laughs> Thank you, Miss Lori. Like I said, we've had a lot of birthing around here, and you may be wondering what in the world communion has to do with Christmas time. And so I just wanted to bring it around a little bit because it's an exciting time knowing that even the angels celebrated Jesus coming into the earth. And, um, wow, um, we often think of communion as remembering the death of Jesus. Which is correct, but it's also not correct. He said, do this in remembrance of me. I think often the enemy would like us to just remember the death of Jesus. And so this morning, I'm going to be talking about a whole different perspective of Jesus that you may have not ever seen in the Bible before. And it gets me excited because we're not talking about a baby in a manger anymore. <laughs> we are talking about Jesus who has changed things and, um, you know, Whenever this baby came into the earth and was put in a manger, Jesus chose to come meek. He chose to come helpless. The God who created everybody, including the mother he was going to be born out of, he was going to have to depend on her to take care of him, even though he was the one that created her. I don't know if you've ever thought about that before. But Jesus chose to come to this earth because sometimes, how many of us ever felt helpless? Jesus chose to put himself in that position. The God of over everything chose to put himself in that position to be helpless. And the people of that time was looking for the birth of the Messiah. The celebration, there was a buzz in the air the three wise men, all this kind of stuff, they even knew about, it wasn't even in their culture, it wasn't their uh, prophetic word. They weren't part of the Jewish people, but they were kings who knew the story of the Jewish people. And so they were like, we're going to go and celebrate this because they knew what was going on because they knew the prophecy. And so all of these people for years have been looking forward to the Messiah. 
the person. Why were they looking forward to him? Because they were in oppression. They were in slavery. They were in bondage to the Roman soldiers. Sound a little familiar to you today? (laughs) We are looking for someone to save us, a president, a leader, somebody to take us out of slavery, someone to take us out of bondage and oppression, inflation, whatever you want to call it. But I'm not going to get on that spiel today because that could be a whole different message. But I want to let you know that it's not about a person. And just like they were looking for Jesus to come to save them from oppression and things like that, he had a whole different kingdom in mind. And so we have to make sure that we keep our eyes focused and that we have the right perception this morning because God wants us to see him as he truly is and not as how we see him. And so even though this may be just an hour service, let's see here. I've got plenty of time, hopefully. So (laughs) God gave me a word, and I'm going to try not to rush through this because he gave me this word a couple years ago, and I actually did a Monday night devotional on it. But I have all of one or two followers on my Monday night devotionals. But he brought this to remembrance whenever I asked him, what do you want me to talk about? And he said, they need to know who I am. And so I'm bringing this to you today because he brought this to remembrance for me. And I want to get back to the points of why communion, why remember his death. No, we're not doing that. We're remembering who Jesus is. So what a better time to remember who he is and what he's done for us than the celebration of his birth. So if you'll turn to me, with me, John 18, 3 through 8. We're going to read about Jesus and who he is. And I forgot what little space I have up here this morning, so give me just a second as I... Okay, here we go. Three through eight. So Judas came to the garden, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, Who is it that you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am he, Jesus said. And Judas, the traitor, who was standing there with them, when Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Again, he asked them, Who is it that you want? And Jesus of Nazareth, they said. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. If you are looking for me, then let these go. This happened so that the words he had spoken would be fulfilled. I have not lost one of those you gave me. So if you don't know what's going on here, this is when Jesus is in the garden and he's being arrested. And so, (laughs) you know, it's talk about the crucifixion. It's bringing all things together. And so we're sitting here and we're talking about Jesus being arrested They're coming at him in the garden, and I wanted to kind of give you a little bit of meaning. You know, I've told y'all many, many times that we should study the Word because there's things in the Word that God wants us to mine out, to dig out. You know, Bronwyn talked about Jesus being the Word. We often think about this just being the Word, which is Christ. (laughs) He is giving us his Word, but Jesus is also Word, and we are to study and show ourselves approved. In fact, Second Timothy actually says that. Study and show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word in truth. And so we need to make sure that we know the word inside and out. It's not about just reading the events that happened. They're not even just stories. Because sometimes if we just think of them as stories, we think of them as the little red riding hood. 
These are things that actually happened. These are events that actually took place. And so we have to be very careful, especially if you've been raised in church, not just to read it as any other story that you've been reading your whole life. And so we have to dig it out. We have to mine it out. And so until a couple years ago, I didn't know what a couple of these words meant, like detachment. I didn't know what a detachment of Roman soldiers was. Well, whenever I started digging into it, I found out there, there are several different groups of Roman soldiers. There's a band of soldiers, which is about 200 men. And then there's a detachment of soldiers that is up to 600 armed military Roman soldiers. 600. Scott, can you imagine if there was one person here in town that would warrant 600 military officials to arrest them? 600. And so we don't think about this. We sit there and pass right through the scripture of a detachment. We don't think about what that means because we're not talking about just ordinary, you know, people that are on the police force or um, somebody who has uh, decided last minute to enter into the military. We're talking about young men who have been raised from a young age how to fight. They've been put a sword in their hand from the time they could hold one. So it probably would take one Roman soldier to really detain someone, if you want to put it that way. But they sent up to 600, I want to emphasize that, up to 600 Roman soldiers, beefy guys, like these guys have been trained. But not only did they send Roman soldiers, the priest and the Sadducees and all that sent their officials. So what are their officials? Their officials were the military of the Jewish people who did the arresting if you broke the law. Because the Roman soldiers and the Jewish law were two separate things, right? So they had their own law, if you so call it. It'd be like Mark Tree Police Department is also going with the U.S. military army to arrest this guy. But the officials weren't whippy dudes either because they're used to detaining people who have broken the law. And so we have over 600 people probably who are, who are armed with swords, lanterns, shields, all that. They're going to war. Basically, they are armed for battle. You don't send 600 people thinking that it's going to be a quiet arrest. <laughs> it just doesn't happen. And so they knew, number one, Jesus had power over them. You think about that. Did Jesus ever do anything to anybody, his whole ministry, that would make him think that he was a threat? He wasn't mean to anyone. He was very uh, true and clear on what he believed. And he'd call you out like the Pharisees and Sadducees. He'd flat out say, don't listen to them. Uh, he's sitting right in front of them with his disciples. And he looks at them, listens to them, and he says, don't listen to them. <laughs> you know, he was very brave. He was very bold. He wasn't this wimpy guy that we think of. You know, if you are sending 600 men after one person, you know they carry authority and power. 
So we have to be very careful not only of how we read the Word, but of the movies that we see. Because oftentimes, whenever we see about Jesus being carried off from the garden, we see maybe a few soldiers, and he's just like all sheepishly quiet and going, you know, all this kind of stuff. They were scared of him. But guys, this isn't the most exciting part at all. The most exciting part, my favorite part, is in verses 4 and 5. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, Who is it that you want? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. He said, I am he. And Judas and all the others standing there with them drew back and fell to the ground. I like a better translation. It says they stumbled backwards and fell. And so whenever you research that part of it, you think of it, and a lot of times I had never even seen that part before. Wait a minute. What happened? All of them, including Judas, stumbled and fell backward. So what happened there? Well, number one, in the Greek, it says, when Jesus said, I am he, he was saying, I am. That sound familiar? I am that I am. And whenever he said, I am, there was such power that came out from those words that the guy stumbled and fell. That would be pretty, but that's not really what happened. Let me dig into those words again. Because whenever he said, I am, and the word says he stumbled and fell, we have to know what those words mean. So when it says they went backward in the Greek, it means that they stumbled and fell backwards as if a force hit them and pushed them backwards. Now, I know it doesn't take a genius to figure that part out, like stumble backwards, that something probably knocked you off your feet. But I like the words as if a force hit them. But my favorite part is the fail. When it says the Greek word pipto, I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, so forgive me. It says, which means to fall, but it's not just a fall. It's depicted on a person who fell so hard it appeared that he fell dead like a corpse. So when Jesus said, I am, it's the only two words he said. Over 600 men stumbled backwards and fell down like a corpse. I don't know about y'all, but that gives me goosebumps. Can you imagine that? Who in their right mind would want to stand back up to arrest this guy? They did. <laughs> but, I mean, imagine that. Paint that picture in your brain. Close your eyes and see it. They're here as a mob to come after Jesus. He stands and says, who are you looking for? We want Jesus of Nazareth. I am. Bam. <laughs> they all fall as dead. But Jesus had to prove that you couldn't take him by force before he surrendered. Have you ever thought about that? We always say that Jesus wasn't captive. He wasn't, you know, he could have at any time called the angels. But the words out of his mouth proved that nothing could detain him. No one could take him. And so he's saying, if you come after me, I surrender myself to you. 
leave my other guys alone. But he surrendered, guys. Even after proving who he was, he's not a baby in a manger anymore. He came meek. He came quiet. He came as a little baby sleeping on his mama's chest. But that is not the God we serve. And can you imagine him on earth in flesh with that power? The powerful God that we serve today not hindered in any way whatsoever, no flesh. See, he had to overcome that flesh when he was in the garden. It's what he was doing in the garden. He was praying, Lord, let your will be done because my, my flesh is not wanting to do this. So he had to overcome that. But such a strong force that nothing could take him by force. And so I'm telling you, there's no force strong enough today to resist his power. No sickness, no financial turmoil, no relationship problems, no political force. There's nothing today that can withstand his power. Absolutely nothing has enough power to resist the supernatural power of Jesus Christ. When the great I am opens his mouth and speaks, every power that tries to defy him or his word is pushed backwards, shaken, knocking down, knocked down, it stumbles and falls to the ground. There is nothing stronger than our God. So what do you need today? What do you need today? This is where God's bringing it all around. This is why he wants you to have a perspective change. This is why he showed me the scripture of who he is, his power and his might. Because what do you need today? We take communion today to remember Jesus, that he surrendered for us. He was not taken captive. He surrendered so that we don't have to surrender to anything but him. So as we take communion today, I want Jesus to speak to your heart. I want you to begin letting Jesus speak to you now. Because there is a promise in line for you this morning. And it's time for you to get your mouth in alignment with his word. It's time for you to see the great I am, the power of God unleashed against any forces that would try to take you captive. Because John 17, 23, I'm going to read that. It's when Jesus is praying in the garden. And you may not know this, but this is where he's praying for you. Before you were born. Because before that, before verse 20, Jesus is praying for his disciples, those that God gave him. But then after that, verse 20, he says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, through the disciples' message. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us. I apologize. I'm trying to find room here. So that we would make, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them, you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. We have 
the authority that Jesus had in the garden. The same Holy Spirit that was in him when he said, I am, lives in us. So therefore, anything that we have need of, we have, I am. And we can say to any situation in our life, I am has spoken. I am free from sickness. I am has spoken. I am free from financial captivity. I am has spoken. Nothing, nothing or no one will hold me, hold me captive. Because I have freedom. And the only person I surrender to is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. You have that power inside of you to make all demons, all things that would come against the Lord and try and defy his word, to make it stumble, fall, and fall flat as a dead corpse. To run it out of your life. Because God has given you his glory. Let's go ahead and take communion this morning. I am not your typical communion person. Let's, uh, you know, let's pray over the bread. Let's pray over the, the drink. This represents Jesus' body and his blood. This represents his surrender. But this also represents what he did for us so that he could live in us and therefore work through us. Just like Holy Spirit worked through Jesus in the garden, he wants to work through us today with no limitations. God has no limitations. The only ones that he has are the ones that we place on him. So for just a second, I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to go ahead and peel back that first layer of the bread representing his body. And we're going to take that this morning, and we're going to follow it right after with the, the juice. I'm not going to make you wait in between. But before we do that, we're going to just take a second. And I want you to think of the promise that you need, that place in your life that you need to take authority. Heavenly Father, God, we just glorify you and we love you. Because you died for us, your blood has set us free from sin. And you live inside of us. So now we speak out loud by faith and therefore expect to see mountains move out of the way for us. I'm glad that you're the great I am, Lord. We worship you and we praise you for all power, all glory, all authority, Father God, that you've given us to rule and reign here on the earth. To speak and demons tremble. To speak and sickness will have to flee. Poverty will be vanquished. And your kingdom, Father God, as it is in heaven, will be on earth. So we eat and we drink and we celebrate and remember you, Jesus, this morning. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. Let's eat and drink together.
Amen, amen, amen. <laughs> I don't know about y'all. I thought I had a faulty one. I couldn't get it up in there for a second. <laughs> but I want us just to all stand up and in our own way celebrate Jesus, celebrate his power, celebrate his glory. And then I'm going to let y'all out even just a few minutes early today. So um, all together, let's just worship him and praise him. Heavenly Father, God, we just glorify you. We praise you, Heavenly Father, God. We lift you high. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for not only coming meek and lowly, Father God, for those who feel weak, Lord, can know that they can be strong in you that they can grow in you, Lord God, that your spirit can make them strong, that they don't have to do everything in their flesh, Lord God. In fact, it's impossible for us to move mountains in our flesh, Lord God. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have come to live inside of us to give us that authority, and you did not leave us here on, our, on this earth by ourselves, that you are with us always. And dear God, we love you and we glorify you, Lord. We thank you, Heavenly Father God, for the strength that you've given us, Lord. And as we go into this new year, Lord God, we take this year of open door. We take this year of open doors and closed doors, Heavenly Father God, and we speak and we expect mountains to move. We speak and we expect poverty to cease. We speak and sickness will have to vanquish. Dear Heavenly Father God, we glorify you and we thank you that you've made us rulers on this earth through your power and through your Son. Jesus, we celebrate you today. Have a very great and happy birthday, Lord Jesus. And we love you. We glorify you in Jesus' wonderful name. Y'all have a great day. Merry Christmas, Pastor Micah. We love you. Amen. Have a good evening.